0: Hello and welcome to The RevOps Show. I am super excited for this episode because Doug and Jess are exploring more behavioral science concepts. This time, each term is connected to the decision making process. They're going to be walking through the concepts of chunking, decision fatigue, decision staging, elimination by aspects, decision inertia, and substitution. You'll hear what Each item is and how it pertains not only to RevOps but the bigger picture overall of our everyday lives. So, with that in mind, let's get started.
1: Jess Doug, we did it, we're doing it
2: twice in one week. I know, I can't believe it.
1: I surprised myself. This is like a rev-op show palooza.
2: This is a great week for you, isn't it?
1: Jess, any week that I get to talk to you is a great week.
2: So that's um, every week. Every week's a great week for you, unless I'm on every vacation. Week, except
1: except when you desert me.
2: When I desert you. You
1: call it vacation, I call it desert. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> yeah. So don't you think that our... Uh, the conference, the upcoming conference for RevOps show. Shouldn't we call it the the RevOps Palooza?
2: The upcoming conference for RevOps show? What oh, are you gosh, talking yes, about? Yes, I
1: wanted, I, our, our growth team was supposed to listen to the episode <laughs> and they were supposed to have that response. <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, y- you know, I'm not going to lie. You, you're just taking a lot of my fun away.
2: That's what I do on a daily basis though. It's my job.
1: I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, holy, holy, holy cow! You know, I almost feel like I should, should play a song. I should play like your favorite song for that. God. But instead, instead, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Actually, I'm to, I can't remember what this one is. It's time to get things started on the most sensational, inspirational celebration. We haven't done that one in a while. No, we haven't. We haven't done it in so long, I couldn't remember what it was.
2: <laughs> oh, it's Friday, folks. It is, it is Friday. It is,
1: <laughs> it is late on a date in Friday. Um, what are you doing this weekend, Jess?
2: Getting ready for school, for my kids to go back to school.
1: I was gonna say this is an exciting weekend for you.
2: It? it is an exciting weekend. I mean
1: what lies on the other side of this weekend for you? Freedom.
2: We're having we're having a barbecue with some family members to celebrate the start of the school year.
1: You're barbecuing the- some family members?
2: Yes. Yes, that's what I said. Wow. Not having a barbecue with family members, I'm barbecuing
1: family members. So is that an annual beginning of school tradition? You sacrifice a family member on this the barbecue the, each year? This is the first annual, so yes. The first annual <laughs> The first annual family barbecue, yeah. Yes. You know what? Yes. I think I think we might be able to pick up a following. I think we could get that to be a trending topic on TikTok. <laughs> Let's not.
2: Let's not.
1: Shouldn't, you know what? Shouldn't the Revopsha be on TikTok?
2: No. (laughs) I've made it this long. I refuse. Uh,
1: I need to get a burner phone so that I can use
2: (laughs) it. doesn't make any sense, but okay. How does that not make any sense? Why do you need a burner phone for TikTok?
1: So that the Chinese don't get my data. Oh, my God. Okay. Sure. I mean, sure. Do you not not read the news, Jess? Do Do you not know what's going on?
2: I'm aware. I'm just not going to feed into the par- paranoia on either side.
1: <laughs> so, so actually I've talked, I've talked to enough people that, that I kind of like, I don't, I, I would have to, I don't, it's not actually, you don't think it's paranoia. I think there's, Facts. No, I think there's some legitimacy. Wow. I think there's legitimacy. I think there's legitimacy. Okay. I mean, I think that it, you know, and it's not that I don't think it's not happening. Like I'm not on Facebook. That's one of the reasons why I'm not on Facebook. Yep. But, and, and I, Lord knows, I certainly don't trust Facebook. I don't <laughs> trust Twitter. But I don't trust the Chinese government.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. On that list, it's it's at the top of things you don't trust. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. It's a good call. Yep. Yep. Who thought we would have talked about the Chinese government today? Wow. We are
1: we're off to a good I start. I why... I think that's why the the podcast is trending so strongly. Is <laughs> it's not the content? It's not the deep dives we take into concepts no. like go to market strategy last week. It's everyone's wondering what are Doug and Jess going to talk about at the beginning? Is it going to?
2: Is it going to be baseball? Is it going to be Disney? Is it going to be the Chinese government?
1: <laughs> and in case anyone can't tell, um. We've gotten back to being much better at being prepared, what we're going to talk about. For those long-time listeners, if you listen real closely, I'm sure you can figure out which episodes we figured out the topic a couple minutes before we started. But I don't think we've ever had a clear, like, this is what the opening. Oh, no,
2: no, this is literally just fly by the seat of your pants. Let it, let it go where it takes us.
1: And I don't even like, I know I, I I mean, I know I, I'm the provocateur on that portion. (laughs) But it, I can't think of a time where I knew where I was going to go. All I knew was, actually, when I get on, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to say Jesse. That's how, you, that's how you
2: operate every day, all day, is what I thought.
1: Well, no, that's not quite true. <laughs> but I understand. That's because, that's because I pull off plans with such mastery that it feels like complete improvisation. Clearly. Clearly. All right, All right so what am we I'm talking gonna, about this week? My favorite topics. One of my favorite topics. We're
2: going we're gonna to bring back behavioral science.
1: Going to bring back? Did it?
2: We talked about it.
1: We, had, had behavioral science. <laughs> to did, the podcast. Bring it?
2: behavioral science back to it, the podcast.
1: retire or something? Yeah.
2: Good Goodness oh. gracious. This is going to be a very focused conversation.
1: You know, someone oh. told me yesterday that they were, they had to go out and pick up their car from the mechanic. And I was like, wow, you must be really strong. Hashtag Do you know notes. why do you know why you should not have sex in elevators? <laughs> why? <laughs> it's wrong on so many levels.
2: But I'm bum, don't forget to tip your bartenders. Okay, so today we're talking about behavioral science. We picked some some uh behavioral science concepts to talk through and I'd like to So if I understand
1: about- what, you, what you did if I understand what we did correctly, yes. to talk about behavioral science, what we did is we chunked some topics.
2: We did chunk some topics, which is our first topic, chunking. Oh my gosh. How about that? <laughs> so what is chunking, Doug?
1: Well, let, 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 let's take a step back before we get into okay. it. I, I had to get my punchline You're punch going to get, us, gonna get okay. us back
2: focused? Okay, great.
1: <laughs> kind of, what... Like share the context. You what what triggered you to think about behavioral science? Why did you put these topics together? Yeah.
2: So so I I was thinking about how decisions are made in the sales process, and another thing we might get into here is also how are decisions made in a tech implementation because that's kind of the the place that I look at things from. And so I I chose some behavioral science topics around decision making.
1: And so, I want to add um, a thread to this, okay, to to make it very RevOps focused, not just. Okay. Which is, we have a tendency whenever we are focused on anything, to be focused on first order effects, i.e., what are the effects of the thing that we're working on, but but where the impact is is second, third, and fourth order effects, right? It it's okay. upstream, so every Every action is preceded by a decision. Now that doesn't mean a decision occurs before every action to some degree. A habit is one decision that gets repeated multiple times without remaking the decision. Right. So it doesn't mean every time I, every time, you know, every time I turn on my computer in the morning, did I think and make an active decision I'm going to turn on my computer. Now I would say, no, not really. I've already made that decision. I made that decision earlier. And so, so when you think about, when you think about change, if you want somebody to change and, and by the way, if, if you're not getting the utilization of, of your systems that you want, then you need change. Remember your system is perfectly designed for the results and the experience that you have right now. So if you want to change those results and those decisions, you need to change your system That's the internal focus. The external focus is you need the people involved in your system to change their decisions. Mm -hmm. You need to influence their decisions. So, so when we're thinking about how do we implement for utilization, how do we implement for adoption? How do we manage this? How do we reduce friction? How do we streamline things? What, what we're really looking at and what we really need to understand is how people make decisions. So it's, it's not just how it influences the ultimate sale, the customer experience, how we go about deciding or doing things related to CRM, it's also how is what we're doing used by and impacts those people that we are supporting and enabling? So I mm-hmm. think as we talk about these things, I think you you, you want to be looking at that from from a full picture. Yep, so before we get into the the, the, the specifics of this, I also want to repeat, I've shared some of this in in other episodes. But I want to talk about decisions just kind of topically. Okay. Did you know, Jess, and I know that you do because I've only asked you this like 10,000 times. (laughs) Did you know (laughs) that the word decide and the word homicide both have the same Latin meaning? I'm sorry. Both have the same Latin root and mean the same thing. I did. The, The Latin root is side and the meaning is to kill. Right. Yep. Decisions are among the hardest things that people do. Decisions are very taxing. They, the active act of making decisions uses up a lot of calories. So if you want to lose weight, my recommendation is always be deciding Um, (laughs) if, you know, they, they've hooked, They've hooked people up to um, brain MRI machines, fMRI machines. Yeah. What what you find is the biochemical response, the sweat response, the nervous system response to making a decision is the same response as a vigorous workout as when you're in the middle of a vigorous workout. It's the same response as when your life is in danger. There is Mm -hmm. literally no difference between the, the taxing on your on your psychology and physiology between someone pointing a gun at you and you making a decision.
2: That's crazy
1: right um, the the reason is when you make a decision you're killing other options right you're killing options right you're you're shutting doors and so keep in mind what we will do as humans is we will do everything we can do to avoid making a decision and and we have learned that there are some tricks to maybe make it sound like we've made a decision yep without having made a decision right that leads to a lot of communication miscommunication but the other thing and this gets to um two of my favorite people in the world we're actually like all of this stuff we're about to talk about really comes from two of my favorite people in history
2: who are those people
1: you don't know who those people are Jess? no Daniel Kahneman hold on one second here Sorry, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky
2: I'm not I'm not placing not placing them <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, Daniel Kahneman. You know, I talk about Daniel. Kahneman, well, I talk about them all the time. Heuristic. I mean, the whole the whole idea Huristic, of decision okay, heuristic right. comes from comes okay. from Kahneman and and, and, and Tversky, uh, and and a lot of the experiments on the specific ones that you chose for us to talk about were they they, they originated from Kahneman and or or Tversky. Um, so one of the things, um, so Daniel Kahneman. I think it was Kahneman. It may have been Kahneman and Tversky, coined mm-hmm. the term System One and System Two thinking. Yep. Right. Uh, And so system one thinking. So system one thinking is, is fast thinking, right? System two thinking is slow thinking. So, so when we're actually deciding we're in system two, right? And Mm -hmm. system two is very taxing. It uses up a lot of energy. Now keep in mind, remember what I said earlier, every time you do something, it is preceded by a decision, Mm -hmm. right? If you get out of bed this morning or if you get out of bed tomorrow morning, if you got a, got out of bed this morning, it was preceded by a decision. Now, you probably don't stop and think, do I want to get out of bed? Well, what are the options? Well, if I stay in bed, like you don't do a risk reward analysis, et cetera. Again, that's a conditioned decision that you've already made and you go, through, you go through your habits and so forth. You know, fun piece of trivia that a lot of people probably know, Steve Jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Always wore the same black turtleneck. Yep. Now, technically, it wasn't the same black turtleneck. because <laughs> They were different black turtlenecks. But do you know why he did that? So he didn't have to decide what he was going to wear. Didn't have to decide what he was going to wear. Yeah. Right. Barack Obama did the same thing in terms of how he ordered his suit. Like like he had a rotation of, of when he – so that when I got out, I don't have to think about it. So, One less so what So what, what happens is – for us to access system 2 thinking which is when we're fully engaged aware conscious agency somewhat in control that's very taxing yep what we will do is find cheats to be able to to stay in system 1 thinking right we would not we would not survive as a species if we didn't have system 1 thinking cuz you you wouldn't be able, like, you would be lucky to get to the point of your bathroom when you get up in the morning. If you actually had to actively make a decision about each thing that you did right. every time you did it, that's how that's how taxing it would be. So we, to survive, we, yeah. what we call autopilot. And and so what we're going to talk about today are a number of heuristics. Um, I think it's four heuristics and one item that. Is, is, is a barrier to decisions, but we're going to talk about heuristics and heuristics are those intuitive leaps that we use to save energy, to save the taxing on our brain so that we can make decisions and take the actions that we need to take during the day. So I want to just kind of give that and, and, and it's important to understand this because we're going to, I'm actually going to do some comparisons between decisions and software. Okay. Um, um, decisions and models, right? So um, I was talking with Noel Free today and one of the things he um, started talking about is because he listened to our best of episode on Solution Architect. Mm-hmm. And, and I had mentioned that, you know, we we confuse the symptom with the problem or we're diagnosing the symptom, not diagnosing the problem. And so yep. he, he started asking me like, how, so how do we get to diagnosing the problem? And I didn't have a chance to share this with him yet. Um, you can never actually diagnose the problem. You're never actually at the problem. So one of the things that you understand when you're trying to diagnose a problem, when you're trying to diagnose a cause in a complex system is you're never actually there. Right? You know what yep. Mark Twain said, don't you? What? He said, it's not what you don't know. That'll hurt you. It's what you think, you know, that ain't so. That ain't so. And so that's why it's important that, that you understand this. It's important that you're never there Right. And that's why this isn't set it and forget it type stuff. That's why RevOps is so important. That's why the strategic role of RevOps is so important already with that. Yep. Where so, do we start?
2: let's start with chunking. And actually on that point, having read through and done research on these, I do a lot of these without realizing that they were <laughs> without like realizing or thinking about them as behavioral science uh, concepts um, as we're, Training, executing that kind of stuff, which I guess is so, your point around shortcuts.
1: So, so, so. By the way, one thing I just want to point out: this is the thing I love about behavioral science. It applies whether you're thinking about it or not. Yeah. Yep.
2: Um, so let's start with
1: choking. Hold on. Hold on. Remember, we, oh. remember, we, I was talking about that. Um, that there's nothing redeemable about the show that I that I started watching, right? And I mean, that's actually not true. It's it it, it it's funny. It's entertaining. It, it's um, and and you know, it's, it's a, it's a comedy, it's 21 minutes. It's, it's very like all that stuff is happening. And so the first night I watched it, I ended up watching till like two in the morning, I almost watched the entire first season. And, and the thing that was amazing about it was it had all the elements that, that cause you to just binge that cause you to be addicted in the moment. And the thing that was just insane, I knew what was happening. It wasn't that I spent four hours watching a show when I should have gone to sleep. Like I was at the point like, ah, you know, I don't, uh, let me find a short show. Oh, you know what? I remember hearing something about this four hours later. I finally turned it off. Right. I knew what was happening. Right. That's what behavioral science is. It's like, you know, guess what? You know, <laughs> it, it this stuff, it, it happens whether you realize it or not. Yep. And, and the reason it's so powerful is it happens because you're not thinking about it. If you were thinking about it, it it wouldn't be system one thinking.
2: Wouldn't work. Yep. Um, All right. So let's start with chunking. Chunking. So, Doug, what is chunking?
1: So chunking is taking um, lots of information and grouping it, right? Um, You know, one of the most famous chunking um, real-life situations was the United States for years. Phone numbers.
0: Mm
1: hmm. Right. Phone numbers were seven digits. Yep. But you didn't remember seven digits. Yep. You remembered three digits and you remember four digits. We've gone to 10 digits. People don't remember phone numbers anywhere near as much. But even at 10 digits, we still don't remember 10 digits. We remember, we remember three, three digits. Three,
0: four. Yep.
1: And, and actually, we don't even remember that. <laughs> we remember we remember one digit, three digits and four digits. We remember the digit and, and think about it. You remember the area codes that you call regularly. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like your area code now is 210, right?
2: Yeah. And I'm in a city that still only has one area code, but I grew up in a city that but, had multiple.
1: <laughs> but wasn't but wasn't your mobile phone, wasn't it 669 before? 469. Yeah. 469. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, by the way, I've always been really good at remembering phone numbers. Like mm-hmm. I've had a bizarre way to remember phone numbers, but I never actually remember the numbers.
2: Yeah.
1: Do you know what I, you know what I remembered? What? The pattern on, I knew. I
2: knew.
1: on the, on the touchpad. It's yeah. like, oh, it's this. Right. And, and so it's funny, right? When I dial a phone, I can do it very intuitively. Yeah. But when I'm on VoIP, I struggle. <laughs> do you know why? Because, because you
2: don't have the, the visual of it. Yeah.
1: No, I have the keypad. I have a keypad. Oh. I have a, right? On a phone, one, two, three is the top row. Oh, On a yeah, keyboard, yeah, yeah. one, two, three is the bottom row. It's not the yeah. same pattern. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, here's another example. Chess players, chess masters, chess grandmasters mm-hmm. thought at one time that, that one of the elements was they had to, they just had photographic memories because they could pick up a game. You could show them a board at any point in a game and they would be able to tell you what happened before, what, 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 right. And so everyone thought, oh, they just have didactic memories. Mm-hmm. Well, then they did an experiment and they started doing just random placements of chess pieces and, yep. and the grandmasters had memories every bit as bad as average players. What they found was that chess players chunk the board.
2: Yeah. Yeah Right.
1: So it's like there's four to six chunks of the board. And so they're just seeing the pattern in these four to six chunks. They're not actually looking at the pieces. So here's what chunking is. Jess, have you ever seen the show Silicon
2: Valley? I have.
1: And what did Pied Piper create?
2: Uh, What is it? Middle middle out compression.
1: Compression. (laughs) It it was a compression algorithm.
2: Yes. (laughs) Right.
1: Now, what made what made Pied Piper's compression algorithm so powerful was it was lossless. Right. Okay. There is no such thing as lossless compression. So, so for those of you that don't know, ba- basic compression. So like you get, I have an MP3. You know, I take a song, I put it on MP3. An MP3 is a compression. Right. right? Yep. And so what, what it does as an example is... You know, it's a binary language, so it's all zeros and ones. And so in its coding, if it's zero, one, 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 what it'll do is it'll compress that from six bytes to two because it'll give a code that's like six ones. So it knows that the next six digits are ones. So here's the thing. When you use compression software in, in things like, I'm listening to a song on my iPhone, my computer, whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I want to get the music faster. I want to watch whatever faster. It's fun. Right. So so the vast, vast, vast majority of the times it finds it works. It works good enough. But are you hearing. What was supposed to be heard? You are not. I was going to
2: say, according to my husband, who is a music file, I am I am not.
1: <laughs> You're not. <laughs> yeah, You're not. You, you're, you're, you're missing out on the highest highs, the lowest yep. lows you're missing out on. Like one of the things that'll do is like, you know, if we go high, if there, if there's a lot of variance in it, it, it normalizes it. So, right. so you'll right it. So it softens what's there. Um, now we get into digital, which, which is precise versus analog, which is not precise. So you miss some of the, like, like all of those things are true now. Far more often than not. We can look at people like your husband, and go, "Yeah, okay, whatever." All right? That's, because, that's what I do. Because the truth of the matter is, with with some exceptions, most of us don't yeah. have an ear talented enough t- to be able to tell the difference, anyways. Yep. And and hey, you know what? I'm listening to music while I'm working, so I'm actually not listening to it to pick up the specific nuance. I I, I saw a show. Um, You know, it was investigator figuring this out and there was um, because someone had been accused of a crime that they didn't commit. And because the video had been compressed, there was a there was a frame or two that got skipped and it was in that skipped frame. So like the the climax of the show is the investigator asking for the source. Of of the video. So they could look because they identified that there were frames that were skipped. Right. And so that's what we're doing with chunking is we're skipping frames. Yep. Right. We're we're, we're compressing things together to get a general sense of. Right. And, and I would say we wouldn't be able to survive if we didn't chunk. Chunking far more often than not is, is helpful. By the way, if we're trying to teach somebody something new. Don't teach them everything. Chunk mm-hmm. it. Yep. make it categorize it that by the way that's why acronyms work that's why um that's why i could remember how to spell adidas even though it was technically pronounced adidas but it was pronounced like if we had pronounced it adidas all of a sudden all day i dream about doesn't work right, right. and okay so so as we're thinking about it realize if you want people to, to really pick up and be able to hold on to it, we can only remember, we can only process so much, chunk it. But also be aware when you're chunking it, both as the person chunking or doing it, what are we losing in that? Again, 98, probably 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. It, it's fine. You should, like, that's what you should do. As It's better if you try to look up the downside of chunking, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of content right. on the downside of chunking,
2: yeah,
1: right. But you you are losing the nuance when you chunk. You are losing the nuance, and so when you're making bigger decisions when they're when they're more critical, then you know be aware of your natural approach is to chunk. Yep. And by the way, kind of a subset of chunking is substitution.
2: Hmm. Yeah. You know,
1: we hear this. Wait, that's and so we interpret it as something else, and then we chunk it. And now we're three or four degrees away from where we really were. And we think we're saying the same thing and then things, right. Yep. Those are all the things that are going on. Learn how to make. So chunking reduces friction.
2: Okay. Right? That makes sense. Yeah. So
1: if you want someone to do something, chunk it. If you want someone not to do something, don't chunk it.
2: Yeah. 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 That makes sense. All right. Um that's actually a nice segue into decision fatigue. <laughs> that if you don't want if you want somebody to not suit you do something, don't chuck it. So um what's decision fatigue, Doug?
1: So I actually believe that the human mind is only capable of making a certain number of decisions in their life.
2: You and I have talked about that. I think that's this. when you
1: die. I think that's when you die. Right. I think when you've when you've used up your decision, your lifetime decision allocation, you die. But that's not what we're talking about. Decision fatigue. Um, decisions suck up energy. Mm-hmm. They're they they you expend a lot every time you make a decision. It it takes something out of you. So every decision you make through a day gets harder to make. Yep. As you get to a certain point. Now you and I have talked about this specifically, and I, and I believe this firmly that, that every person has a capacity of decisions that they're able to make in a day. And once you go over that by like one things blow up. And that's why we get into arguments with our friends, spouses, about the smallest things. um, No,
2: I've, I've legit at the end of a day told one, look, I hit my decision threshold today. I'm, I'm done. Like you, you, you need to make all the decisions for the rest of the day. can't do it.
1: We, we were at, we were at one of our kids' soccer games. Um, it was like 1132. It was Danny asking me, um, do I want to go here or here for lunch? And I was like, but so by the way, I hadn't made a whole bunch of decisions during the day. Okay. But I was like, why the fuck are you asking me? (laughs) Can't, can't you just, and, Look, I, it was a total overreaction on my part. It was ridiculous, but it was also like, look, you know what I'm making? I can't even count how many decisions I make during a week. I, I, I don't want to make a decision. Right. And that's not a, that's not a cop out. That's like a legitimate thing. Now I right. will say it, if you want to increase your decision capacity, one of the things you have to do is you have to make more decisions. Right. Yeah. It's like lifting weights. Right. It really is. But but just like lifting weights, if you overtrain, you will you will break things. You you will hurt yourself. So decision fatigue is what happens progressively over over making decisions, right? And so one of the things to do, by the way, why is Apple such a powerful company? What 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 has been the key to their success in design? They subtract. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Apple took out the the floppy disk. They took out the CD drive they took out flash on each one of those people said, Oh no, no, no. There were people are going to revolt. You're taking choice away. You're taking choice away. Yep. Right. So what Apple does for you is they make it so that you don't have to make decisions. By the way, that's what point of view is. That's what point of view software is, is we're making decisions for you. So it becomes easier. Right. Yeah. So, so one thing is how can we make the decisions for you? By the way, here again, reduce the friction. Now, if it's a good piece of point of view software, the point of view doesn't prevent me from doing it differently, but it means I have to go out of my way to do it differently, which means it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. Right. Right. Um, you know, the, the reason that so many people have the percentage pipelines, you know, for at each stage that they have is because the first CRM that did it, that was the default percentages. And people said, oh, well, that's, there you go. There's right. It would have been a lot harder to actually figure that out. Here's another thing. I hear a lot of people go, "Well, you know what? My my boss doesn't listen to me, or you know, I need we need to seat at the table, whatever the case may be, right? Don't ask higher ups if you're in RevOps and you've got important decisions. Don't don't talk to the don't talk to key people at three o'clock, four o'clock, or five o'clock. Yeah, no right? joke. Yeah, right. Uh, it, you you want them. You know, if, if if you're looking like if you want their attention, you, you want that. Have the first thing in the morning meeting. Get the earliest time, right? Yep. I want to be the first decision you make today. I mean, don't say yep. that out loud, right? But yep. but you'll find that you'll be heard differently. But by the way, they've done they've done uh, studies on this as well. If you take a look at um, judgments and sentences, you're you're more likely to be acquitted earlier in the day. Or have a lighter sentence. Also, you're in the morning and right after lunch. Right? So, like, understand your your boss's calendar. Understand your board's calendar. Understand whoever you're talking to what their calendar is. If you're going to ask them to really do something where you need them to think, take a look at it. Take a look at what's happening and ask, have they had a break? Yep. Right? And when they say, no, 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 you know what? I'll tell you what. Um I've got I've got 20 minutes before lunch. Let 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 let's meet that. Oh no 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 that's okay. I'm yeah. telling you, if it's an important decision, you're better off to have the meeting delayed by a week to meet them at nine o'clock than just before so lunch.
2: well, yeah. And when I was able to crack that code, like that that's how that's how I was able to move up, accelerate, and, and particularly even in a client situation. I frequently say to them, do we really think we can have this productive conversation here or would we be better? And, and you're slowing down to go faster, essentially. Yeah.
1: I agree too. Is why is, why is lunch such a powerful thing? Like why is before lunch bad? Like just before lunch bad. Oh, because they're they're
2: hungry. They're hungry (laughs) and they're ready to get off. So you're, you are standing between them and lunch. Like they're, they're in a rush.
1: So, so decisions take up energy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you do at lunch?
2: Re energize. Fuel
1: you up. eat, which, which, yeah. Right? Yeah. And there was a break. Yep. So there's at least a little bit of rejuvenation. Yep. Right. So you've got that right. And so that's you know, understand that's real. But yep. don't don't make your big proposal the last thing of the day.
2: Exactly. The other thing that I do around this, around decision fatigue, is I've learned that coming with a recommendation, if if you do have a way, like, enough information to make a recommendation versus asking for options from them and asking them to kind of give you a list of items is far more effective because you're now, like, they're not having to think as much around it.
1: And. We're going to connect to that in some of the next ones you talk about.
2: Yep. Yep. So next one I want to talk about is decision staging,
1: which is really around mm-hmm.
2: complex or long decisions.
1: So if, if you're involved in a complex decision, um, and that means if you're dealing with any kind of um, high value, high impact sale, mm-hmm. or you're managing systems, you are dealing with complex decisions. And so what I'm going to tell you is um, decision staging is the game. The, the most common mistake that gets made is there is no defined staging. And so what ends up happening and just take, you know, listen to your sales conversations, go back and listen to your, the presentations that you made to the board. And what you'll find is you ask questions, they answer the questions. You, you ask a question, they answer a question. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why we want to do X. What you're doing is everything's all over the place. And then you say, OK, here's what we recommend. What do you want to do? So here's an example. It's very common in the sales world. Here's an example of, of a decision staging um, heuristic or decision staging framework. Why change? Why change now? Why change with you? Right? So the first thing I want to do, my first job in a sales interaction, and by the way, if I want to implement a new process from RevOps, my first thing is, I need to get you to make the decision about, we need to change. Now think about it. When you're telling me change, change is scary. Right. So if you're asking right. me to change at the same time you're telling me what we should change to, well yep. what you're changing to is scary and by the way I'm now I, I've in essence skipped the decision. Yep. Right, which makes the decision tax even higher. But I'm also going to pick at the solution. Yep. I'm going to pick at the recommendation, right? Well, the reality is I'm picking at the recommendation because that's what's ta- that's more tangible. The real issue is I haven't made the decision to change yet. So, so, Hey, Jess, do you, do you understand like this? This is why we need to change this. And you go, well, Doug, what are we going to do instead? And I go just candidly right now. I don't know. Yeah. Right. But, but do we agree that, that we need to change? Okay. Then the next thing is, do we need to change now? Right. What's the urgency of this? Mm -hmm. Then, okay. Why should we do this? Why should you buy from me? Right. But what happens is, we never stage those decisions in yeah. a sales interaction. We never stage those decisions, and and at the end, we deliver the proposal which has a change now with you all built in. So you start getting objections, but the objection isn't about you; it's about the change. But it's also the fatigue of it. Yep. Right. It's it's too much. So the reason it drives what I call decision reluctance. Decision reluctance is the fear of making a decision. Yep, And what drives fear is when you skip steps, when you skip stages. So decision staging is the game. Because when you stage the decision well, all of a sudden decisions become a lot easier because you never have to make a big decision. Right? Once you've agreed we need to change, I don't have to make the change argument anymore. We don't have to talk about the change argument anymore. Right? So now all of a sudden I'm not defending the status quo. Now, if you stage the decision wrong, (laughs) <laughs> then it doesn't matter what, right. So decision staging is the highest leverage. Yep. To make decisions and to influence decisions.
2: I agree. Um, all right. So next I want to talk about elimination by aspects. I do this all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. The elimination by aspects. What? Like, like this is a really funky one. Yeah. Why do you really say is. that? <laughs> Because <laughs> what you're doing, um, so let me tell you a story. Okay. I, I, I For a very brief period of time in my life, I did real estate. I was a real estate agent. Yep. And one of the things that I saw that happened very frequently is I would, you know, an agent would take somebody out, show them homes. This was before Zillow, everybody. I lived in a world that didn't have the internet. I'd say I sold in a world that didn't have the internet. <laughs> Yes, I'm old, and and you know, you'd go out during the day and and you'd see six to eight, ten houses. Now, now, first off, let's go back to what we talked about earlier. Now, all of a sudden, I'm trying to remember ten different houses. How can I remember all that? I'm, but here's what would happen. Well, I really like the kitchen of the third home. The backyard of the first home was great, but I hated the master bedroom.
2: Yeah, the
1: great room of the seventh house. Yeah. It's like, okay, so if I hear you correctly, you want the backyard of the first house, the kitchen of the third house, the great room of the seventh (laughs) house, the master bedroom of the fifth house, um, the community and schools of the house we haven't looked at yet. Right. (laughs) Um, I don't think I can do that. (laughs) Right. So one of the things that I would do is I would show you house one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And and I would give you like the listing. Yeah. Like, here's house one. Let me go. Well, hey, do you like it? By the way, they might go, I, I would oftentimes, the first house I would show was oftentimes one that I knew that they wouldn't really like. Right. Because, by the way, you learn a lot in what somebody doesn't like. Yep. So I go, you know, did you like the house? Yeah, it was okay. Is, is it one that you'd want to consider? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure, but, or like, yes. And if they said no, I said, okay, great, give me that. And I yep. would crumple it up because by the way, I would see that someone would say, no, I wouldn't consider that house, but it would still come up later that, well, you know, I really like the laundry room of the first house. Yeah. They wouldn't consider. It. Right. So I would, I would take the listing. I would crumple it up. I, but, but let's say that the first house was in consideration. I would show them the second house. So what do you think about that? Is it a house that you would consider? Yeah. Okay. Which one do you prefer? Do you prefer the first house or the second house? Yeah. Okay. You. Oh, well, i like this or the first. I'm, no, I get it. I get it. Right it would be great if we can combine and we can't, if these are the only two houses you could choose from, which one would you choose? I would take the second. I'd say, okay, give me the first listing. I'd crumple it up, throw in the back seat. Yeah. It never took me more than four houses. Yeah. I'm sorry. It never took me more than five houses. I meant to say five. I don't know why four came out. So, so this is why it's funky. Now we did do some elimination by aspect because the yeah. first thing that I did was, um, what can you afford? Right. So you can afford a $300,000 house. I'm not going to show you a million dollar house. I'm going to take that out. Um, What type of house are we looking at a condo? Are we looking at, right. Um, What communities kind of what was important. So maybe, maybe you had elementary school kids and, and so the school system was super, super important. Like, so we would, we would do some of those things And, and that's what elimination by aspect is, is you're basically narrowing down by, by attributes. Yep. theoretically it works when you're narrowing down by the most important attribute first and then the next most important and the next most important. But this is where the convenience bias or the convenience heuristic or the substitution heuristic comes in. Mm-hmm. So what oftentimes happens is you actually eliminate by the simplest or easiest aspect. Right. Rather than the most important. right? And then the other aspect of it that makes it really funky and, and I think it's actually, I mean, it's going to happen. You need to think about how you're doing it. And that's why this is what I refer to as framing the decision. These types of things that we're talking about go into framing the decision that we're making here, framing my case, building my case Mm -hmm. because you're going to eliminate by aspect. So I need to guide what you're going to eliminate by aspect from because the other difficulty with it is elimination by aspect works when the attributes are independent. Yep gotcha it doesn't work when they're dependent or even worse interdependent right so so like if i've eliminated this community for whatever reason right there there might be elements about there that when you actually looked at the third fourth and fifth elements even though it got ruled out by the first those third fourth and fifths would actually be more important than the first because because, right. By the way, once you rule it out, it's ruled out. Whether it's ruled out by one percent, it didn't meet my cr- my criteria by one percent or by a hundred percent. And so that the, the 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 complexity of decisions, and this is why CRM implementations get so screwed up, is because they because imp- they eliminate by aspects. Yeah. Look, we just needed to have the data about right, and yeah. and you've eliminated the. And by the way, let's say you, you you you've eliminated the keys that drive adoption and utilization. Yeah. So so let's say that you, you eliminate by something that is clearly very important. What can you afford? Yeah. Yeah. So so you eliminate because of cost. Mm-hmm. But what is cost? <laughs> right? Because what's the cost of it not working? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. What is right? And yep. and, and so so if you look at what we do, and I, and I actually think this is some of the magic of why our implementations work the way they do, is in in how we manage the business process, we're creating, we're, we're chunking, we're providing, we're, we're ordering decisions, we're, we're identifying key, key areas and clear areas of elimination. So all that noise and static doesn't get in the way of the ability to move forward.
2: Yep, makes sense. Um, so, last last piece that I want to talk about is decision inertia, um, which I think is is one of the ones you were referencing <laughs> would feed into yeah. what we've talked about already. That's the stable state associated with inaction and the concept of status quo bias. So, uh,
1: you know, there's another word for decision inertia. What's that? Inertia. <laughs> So another heuristic, another bias is the omission bias, right? Mm-hmm. We take this route to work every day. Yep. One day we decide, hey, you know what? I want to mix things up. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go a different way today. Yep. And it turns out traffic ends up being really bad. Yep. And you, go, and you miss your meeting and your boss yells. At you. And you go, Why? Today of all days. Did I choose this route? hmm oh. Right? You, you, you blame yourself for that. Right. right. It makes all the sense in the world. Instead, say so instead you hadn't made, you didn't go a different way. Yep. And there turned out to be unexpected traffic. Mm-hmm. And you missed your meeting. And you get yelled at your boss. Do you think... Why, on today of all days, did I not take a different route? No. Right? No. Right. We assume we have, we have a tendency to, to attribute the decision as the cause, right? Yeah. Here's another yeah. example of, of decision or So we're going to play let's make a deal. Jess, I want you to choose. Do you want what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three?
2: I have to pick one. Uh, you want the prize number- behind
1: there's, there's a million dollars behind door number one There's a goat With hay behind door number two And there is Every edition of the New York Times From 1950 To 1990 behind door number three Those are your choices You gotta pick behind Door, door number, number one, one Door number two Door number three
2: Door number you one Door number
1: one Yes So now I show you I open up door number three Uh Door number three is all of the newspapers. Yep. And now I say to you, Jess, I'm going to give you a choice right now. You can change your pick to door number two, or you can stick with door number one. Which do you want? Door number one. Right. Do you know that that is a mistake?
2: Why is that a mistake?
1: Because you just reduced the chances of winning a million dollars. How? (laughs) This is my favorite behavioral...
2: I feel like we've had this conversation before and I don't remember how it
1: ended. We have, we have. And that's why I was like, you might get it right because you remember it, but this shows you how powerful it is, right? So if I give you three choices, one of them has a million dollars, what's your chance of success? What's your chance that you're going to pick right? One
2: in three. 33%. Yes.
1: Right. If I give you two choices, what are your chances of being right? 50%. Right. So you're sticking with the 33% choice instead of changing to the 50% choice.
2: But we, I know there's a million dollars between door number one.
1: <laughs> no, you don't.
2: <laughs> Why? Cause you haven't opened it yet.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So by the way, uh, this, this was, this behavioral economic was behind. Let's make a deal. Yep. And behind deal or no deal. Right. Remember, yep. as you got to the end, you had the choice. You could trade your your suitcase. Yeah. Right. Yep. And and there, I think you had like you started off with like thirty two. Banker, the banker, the banker like,
2: would make you a would give you a dollar amount that you could if you give up your
1: suitcase. No, yeah. no, 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 no. That was that was to leave at the end. You could say so. There's now. Oh, there's so two you suitcases. could switch. Yeah. You could switch suitcases. So when you started off and you picked the suitcase first, you had like a one in thirty two, one in thirty two yeah. chance of being right. Yeah. The suitcase that you can choose now has a 50% chance of being right. You're sticking with your one in 32 chance of being right. Like, oh, yeah. This is mathematically unassailable. It is the smart decision to change your suitcase. It is the smart decision for you to choose door number two. Now, here's the thing this is decision inertia. Right? Yep. If you change to door number two and it turned out to be the goat. Yep. You would be like, oh, my God, why did I do that? Why yeah. did I do that? Right? And everyone watching would go, what an idiot. She had <laughs> picked the right door. Right. Right. Now, what if in sticking with door number one, it was the goat? You would say, You're not mad. Yeah. <laughs> eh, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. Right? Because you, you never had it. Game. You didn't lose it. <laughs> Well, remember, remember one of my rules in life is you can't lose what you don't have.
2: Yes, it's true. Right?
1: But there, there's a couple other heuristics to play into that, but that is decision inertia. The the aspect of drawing another decision, right? So so remember, you picked one where well, you could have picked one, two, or three, and now two, like, because because by the way, if it was behind door number two and you had mm-hmm. picked door number three, I would have shown you door number one. Right. So whatever door I showed you, that, yep. This is why it is logically the wrong decision, but an extraordinarily small percentage of people will make the right decision. And, and by the way, if you change the door, well, I had a better chance of being right.
2: Yeah. But if
1: it was off, everyone would call you stupid. Yep. Yep. That's the taxation of making a decision. That is why making a new decision is so important. So if I were to, so, so how do I overcome decision inertia? Actually, we, I think this came up on, um, In our AMA. Mm -hmm. I said, don't ask somebody to change their decision. See, like I'm asking you to change your decision here. Sort of. Right. right. Yep. I had, if I had recrafted it. Yep. So that it was a whole new situation. You would be far more willing and you would probably understand. Like if I had said, okay, in your first chance, right now you have one out of two. Like you have no issue to say that your first choice, you had a one in three chance of being right. Right. In your second situation you had a one of two chance being right now here's where we get to the key and here's where we get to decision inertia for you to choose door number two Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to make another decision right but if you stay with door number one you're not making a decision but in reality you did make a decision when i said you can change to door number two you said, no, I decide door number one, but it didn't feel like a decision. And because okay. that was harder, and by the way, realize this let's make a deal, and deal or no deal, they knew mathematically giving right. you that option was bad mm-hmm. for them. That was bad for the house, right? But that's the power of decision inertia. Yep.
2: Yep. Which also goes back to staging. <laughs> Um Cool. I thought this was super interesting. I have a couple of takeaways. So I like what you said around if you want people to make a decision, chunk it. If you don't, don't. I hadn't actually thought about chunking that way. It's interesting. Um Staging decisions is key. So starting with, should there even be a change? Does the change need to happen now? And then the proposed solution, skipping those stages. And, and, and by the
1: way, that's an example of a very common state, but, but think right. about what is, what are the order of decisions that you want somebody to make? So remember going back to our CRM implementation, mm-hmm. we decide on, are we selling only to new people or are we selling to new and existing customers? Right. So we're, we're ordering the decision differently yep. than. And
2: breaking it up into bite-sized pieces is kind of how I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you need to take oh, and these you things. You know what
1: else? You know oh. what else? We're asking you to make decisions about about your status quo before we're asking you to make decisions about the change.
2: Yep. Yep. And then lastly, just taking all these things in it, into account helps you frame that decision up better and, and kind of guide guide the person to, to help them be able to get to a decision. So there you go. Yep. And remember, everybody, just say no to just shitty rev ops.
1: I thought I was supposed to say that. Are you oh, going to no, say no. it? Go ahead. Go ahead. You I can say I, it. What's going on, Jess? What what are you what are you you taking my What? What? Go ahead, Doug. You say it. <laughs> Just say no to shitty robots. Till next time.
0: What a plot quiz that just said the outro before Doug. Anywho, that is a wrap on this episode of the RevOps Show. Whether you know it or not, you're probably dealing with these decision-making behavioral science concepts on a day-to-day basis. That's the one thing I love about behavior science is that... We sometimes don't even know what's going on until we figure out what's going on. Anyways, that's that's just what I love most about behavioral science. I geek out a little bit too hard about it sometimes. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to us. We'd also appreciate a review or sharing our episode. We love reading what you all have to say and seeing the show get shared around. And if you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about these behavioral science topics... Email me at hannah at liftenablement.com or hit us up on formerly Twitter, now X at demand creator. Until next time, just say no to shitty rev ops.